You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Well, this is an amazing time that we live in. I don't know about you, but I would... I, I am so excited about living in today's time in the kingdom of God. It's like, I'm so thankful for all the brothers and sisters, for all that they've contended, for all the things that they had to travail and fight for that we now get to enjoy, and the things that we've had to fight for and that we have contended for, that now our kids and this next generation are, are able to receive just through inheritance. Because we got through, now they can come and, and uh, little NASCAR, they can draft off us, you know, and, and conserve some energy so that when they're ready to take the front and get the fresh wind, they will have full fuel, full power, ready to continue to bear down and continue in the race. So it's, it's really exciting to me. I can't believe of any time uh, like this time. I think back when I was a high schooler, and it was, I thought it was amazing because, you know, I was just coming to understand uh, the, the message and how to communicate the gospel of Jesus in such a way as that others would be birthed into the kingdom. And I thought that was fun. And we just did that all the time and just birth people and birth people and birth people. And evangelism is amazing. But then there's so much more. Uh, I was reading in, in, in Paul's writings, you know, and he's talking in Galatians about the fruit of the Spirit and, and all the things that's going there. And he, he's telling us to keep in step with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. We're going to continue to look this morning at the Holy Spirit and how wonderful and amazing the Holy Spirit is. But keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, I think there was a time when I thought keeping in step with the Holy Spirit meant that if the Holy Spirit moved his left foot, then I'd move my left foot and left, right, left, right, you know, and just continue to try to stay in step with the Holy Spirit, try to do. <clears throat> but I, ever since I read the shack, I see the Holy Spirit differently. And, and <clears throat> now if you're going to keep in step with the Holy Spirit, you got to kind of get your dancing slippers on because it's a couple times over here and you're coming around and he does a little waltz and he goes this way and he goes that way. And it's like, wow, keeping in step with the Spirit is not about Dudley do right reporting for duty, sir, you know, type of thing. Although sometimes there is a warfare mentality, but a lot of times when you're keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, you're keeping in step with the very romance of God as he's romancing you. You're keeping in step with the one who's leading the waltz for you. He's, he's leading an intimate dance with you. And I think that's where we lose it sometimes. We're all ready to do our duty, but we don't realize that we're here in a love relationship that's supposed to go from one level of love to another level with an ever-increasing love and passion with the Holy Spirit. No sweat. Now, this September, I'll be married 43 years. Wow. Got, a, got, a few, got a few months to go. But it's like, I feel more giddy about Debbie at 62 than I did at 19. It's like, whoa, what's happened? I, how do you explain that? How do you explain that? It's very easy to just kind of get in ruts and routines and go through the motions and all this kind of stuff. The only thing I can explain it is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. 
I find that my, my love and romance with the Holy Spirit is manifest in my love relationship with my wife. There's a, there's a direct correlation between what's happening in your love with God and your love for others, starting first with your mate. Mm, God's image, gloriously feminine. Oh, I love your femininity, Lord. It's amazing. <clears throat> and so I just want to encourage you that keeping in step with the Spirit is, is going to be more like a love dance than this regimented, legalistic, left, right, left, right. So you might want to take your combat boots off and put on your dancing slippers. Uh, whatever, whatever works for you. I think uh, don't throw your combat boots away because we will be on the front lines, but there's also time to dance and to continue that level of intimacy. And I love that. <clears throat> I believe that the Holy Spirit is calling to the church in this hour, <laughs> and he's calling to us as believers. Okay, everybody listening? This is profound. He's calling to us to believe. He really is calling to us to believe. Graham Cook cracks me up because he says he, he's been called to unbelieving believers. You know, and it's like how, how to make, how to, how to bring the gospel to unbelieving believers. And there's so many of us that if we're not careful, the belief is, is, is just like all relational aspects. If you're not continuing to develop and feed and nurture, then all of a sudden doubts can come from everywhere. I think it's the time for doubts to be destroyed. I really think that the Holy Spirit's moving in this moment, in this hour, to help believers deal with their doubts in a way that they no longer quench, they no longer hinder, but now the Holy Spirit shows up in such a way as that we can truly believe and put everything into it. Now there's there's a level of intellectual assent and, and we, you know, we have the things that we believe in our head, but it's the essence of what is the, the belief in our heart. What is the core conviction in your heart? This is not where you're feeling a little squirmish because you've sinned. No, what is the core conviction of the very passion that God has placed in you and he's directing that passion and if you only could say one thing, this is what you would say. This is your passion, this is your drive, this is the conviction that you've got to get out there. I want to encourage you to be exploring that with the Lord, finding out what it is that causes your juices to just come fully alive and for you to flow with passion in beat with the heart of God. God's heart is so huge and he's so passionate about so much that you need to find out what has he placed in your heart to beat with his heart for the sake of the earth, for his will and his kingdom in heaven to come to earth. What is the passion that's really beating in your heart? What are you about? What is it that really gets your juices going? Hmm. 
Holy Spirit, reveal it. I got kicked out of the Free Methodist Church because I spoke in other tongues. And uh, nobody knew that. It was a closet thing. It wasn't as though I was going around trying to make converts and get everybody to go jabba jabba laba 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 laba. That wasn't, that wasn't what I was doing at all. But I was deemed to have cancer. And when I was before my superintendent and had to give my testimony of what had happened in, in my walk with the Holy Spirit, what came out of my, my lips was, you know, this wasn't the gift I wanted. This was the gift that I was given. Ah, I would have much rather had healing. Sign me up for healing. Why? There's something that has come down through my father. My father loved healing. He was intrigued with healing. And I, 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 we, we kind of got born again at the same time. I started the Sunday school a few weeks before he did. But we, we got baptized as a family. And there's something about healing that is so incredibly a part of my heart. I love to see healing. I just absolutely, I get jazzed when God shows up and healing takes place. Whether it's in the counseling room and I see marriages healed, whether it's with an individual client who, who, whose life is so out of sorts and they're hooked on all sorts of addictions and all corner th- and they get free and they move into life and they get healed. Oh, man, I love that. I thrive for that. That to me is just like the most exciting. I love it when they get healed because they don't know who Jesus is and they come into a relationship with Jesus. And when they ask Jesus to come into their heart and to live inside, they confess that they have sinned and that they've fallen short. They come into that moment and all of a sudden you see it in their eyes that there has been a switch that has been flipped that their heart has believed, their lips have confessed, Jesus is Lord, and the Lord has entered into his temple. And it's so incredible. I love healing. I just love healing. Matter of fact, I love healing so much that my definition of healing almost includes everything. If your batting average is 125, and we pray, and you start batting over 300, that's healing. That's healing, man. My definition of healing will just about include everything when God shows up and makes a difference, and as a result of that, you become more you than you were before the moment that he manifested in that way. And so I want to see everybody just continue to move from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory forever and ever. This is an eternal reality that we're living in right now. I think sometimes we, we think that we're, 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 we're going to be launched and we're going to have the best years of our Christian ministry and then we're going to go out to pasture. Not to pastor, pasture. Okay? You know, we're going to we're set out in the meadows and we're just going to graze and do this kind of stuff. I don't think that's the way it works, folks. I don't think that's the way it works. I've changed different kind of jobs and stuff like that. And everywhere I go, I find that my passion, the core conviction that the Lord's put in me is still firing on all cylinders. I don't care if I'm driving a forklift or Federal Express, FedEx. My passion is to see people healed. Amen. 
see people healed. What's your passion? What's going on inside of you that you want to see? That's why that passion, you can put me in a lot of different environments, a lot of different circumstances. Through the course of my life, I've had different ministers that were kind of my pastor at the church. And, you know, whatever their passion was, it was easy for my passion to get right alongside of that. Had an evangelist. Man, I led more people to the Lord in high school than I probably ever have since. Because I had, I had a, a leader who was passionate about finding lost people. Hmm. I want to be passionate about finding lost people again. And I want to so be so convicted, a holy conviction inside that that passion gets, that you get contaminated. I am going to be a heavenly virus for Jesus. And I hope to infect every one of you with a passionate heart for those that don't, that don't know Jesus. And that you will, you will have such a passion in your heart for those that don't love Jesus, don't know Jesus, that you'll, you'll, find, you'll, you'll just be doing life and you'll, you'll see, oh, I don't think that person knows the Lord. And you'll start to pray for them. You'll start to intercede for them. And as you get more advanced, you'll, you'll even be available to receive different kinds of revelatory information that the Holy Spirit may want to give you to encourage them, to let them know that God sees them and that God loves them and that God is pursuing them because he wants a relationship with them. No I think that's, that's going to be so amazing. We were created to love. We were created to believe. And this doubt that comes in out of our fears, out of our hurts, out of our traumas, our wounds, out of poison that has caused us to lose faith, it's time for that to die. To walk in step, Isaiah 61, to preach good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, Mm. Uh -huh. the set captives free yes. those that are in prison open the doors yeah. let them out a, a day of jubilee oaks of righteousness <laughs> those that are depressed find a garment of praise you know those that are, are going through hard times the heaviness uh, the difficulties that we find in this fallen world we have something tangible in the Lord Jesus and in his kingdom that we can give to them to transform their situation and bring them to awareness of how wonderful he is. So we've, we've looked at that ever since Pentecost. We've been looking at what happened when the Holy Spirit came. And here we are in Acts chapter 4. You think I wasn't going to preach from the Bible, didn't you? <laughs> Acts chapter 4. And you see that it, it's all starting over again. In chapter 2, we find that there's this incredible release of the Holy Spirit and this supernatural phenomenon that takes place. And the result, Peter gets up because nobody knows what's going on and he preaches and 3,000 comes to Jesus. It's amazing. Now they're going about doing life. They got 3,000 believers. They're, they're 
taken Jerusalem by storm. They're going to prayer. They always go to the temple. They're always doing house to house. They're doing temple, temple house, house temple. They're doing the, the larger expression and then they're doing the small, smaller group expression. And you'll always find that. The, the call for a larger gathering of people will always be a part of us. It will always be a part of our need to get together to worship God. So we'll continue to do that. And so in chapter three, they're on their way to that and there comes uh, the crippled man. And Peter and John don't have money, but what they do have is resurrection power. Power to heal. And they release the healing power. And this guy comes alive. (laughs) He rises up. He's healed physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Uh, He's... He's healed completely. And as he goes into the temple, everybody knows him. He's there. He's been there for years, 40 years. This man has been crippled. And so they have all of that. And now Peter is is proclaiming the gospel. And now the religious people get involved and they're trying to shut it down. That's where we pick up in verse 7. They had Peter and John brought before them This is the Sanhedrin. Mm. Could somebody get me a bottle of water? I I drank all mine. Thanks, Dan. Began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown a cripple, and are asked, how was he healed? Ah. Then I've got you right where I want you. You are in the crosshairs of the love of God. Okay? Then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Uh, all healing comes through Jesus, okay? It's, it's through Jesus. This, he is the, the stone you builders rejected. Thank you. Which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. That a preach. Mm-hmm. That is good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're, we're there. Man. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. This is the whole thing. The way you know if you're a believing believer or an unbelieving believer is when you read this, it either scares you to death or it excites you. The thought of having to engage another human being in a way that's outside my comfort zone and, and, and release something that is way outside your ability That either, you you look at that and you just say, well, I don't know how they did that. And if you're saying that, 
join us in the fall for the School of Kingdom Ministry and you will understand how they did that. It's a great way to learn how to do this stuff. And for those of us that have been understanding and we're getting more and more of awareness of what this is, this is like, oh, this is good. So this is what releasing the kingdom looks like on planet Earth. You just go about your day, and as you're going about your day, you encounter a situation that needs the, the miraculous power of God to be manifested, and you just become a vessel to release that. Peter and John engaged the guy. He was there. Usually in the shame, their heads would be lowered so they would never make eye contact with people, but whatever their container was to receive the alms, the, the, the money, the coins, whatever would be offered to them, the, their, eye, their, their head was lowered. But Peter engaged him and said, look at me. And so they had to go from the place of shame, because oftentimes shame is in the eyes, and as they made eye contact, Peter was able to release the power of resurrection to heal a man who's never walked before. Now you just think of all the situations that you know of. Some of us, we've, we've got things and we've gotten so comfortable around them that we just have accepted that this is the way it's always going to be. The guy that was born crippled, he had probably no idea that day his legs were going to work. He'd gotten up for 40 years and they've never worked and he's always gone and done what he's done and he's probably pretty much uh, resigned himself. This is as good as it gets. And then the kingdom came. And it changed. I love the kingdom. I love the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And when we get in that kind of fellowship and intimate relationship with him, that our heart is starting to beat as his heart. Oh my. Look out. Look out. Yeah, I kind of stopped short. I, I had the Isaiah 61 that's repeated again in Luke 4 when Jesus took the scroll and he said, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. And then we realize that Jesus came to reveal the Father so that we know exactly how God looks, what his heart is, and Jesus is absolutely perfect theology. If you're trying to figure out something theological because you've read the Old Testament and you can't make that reconcile, look to Jesus. Jesus makes perfect perfect, perfect theology, and you will understand that. <clears throat> but Jesus said he came to destroy the works of the evil one, or destroy the works of the devil. Sign me up. <laughs> Sign me up. It's payback time, folks. Yes. Has the devil hit below the belt? Whoa. He doesn't fight by the rules of Queensberry. <laughs> he takes every cheap shot. He, he takes every opportunity that he can. Whenever there's, there's a downward spiral, he tries to jump on and take you to the very pit of hell itself. <clears throat> and it's payback time. Jesus came and destroyed the works of the devil, and so should we. We are now under his authority, and we have authority over every demon, over every principality of darkness. And as we exercise that, we get the delight of just watching 
him loose. I was counseling one, and he, 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 his, his presenting problem was he lied all the time. He was a habitual liar, and he couldn't figure out why he lied. Why do I lie all the time? I've got lies on top of lies on top of lies on top of lies, and I can't figure out why I do it. I don't know why I do it. So I helped him understand a few things of why we lie. And then I told him what the Bible has to say. The father of lies is Satan. When we are lying, we are speaking Satan's mother tongue. We're falling right into that. And I said, if you want to stop lying, you've got to know truth. And truth isn't some abstract, ethical, moral value. It's a person. you got to know Jesus. And he accepted Jesus this week. Yeah. As his personal Lord and Savior. And I think he's going to find his lying's really going to be restricted now. And <clears throat> not that he's going to be 100% perfect, But when he lies, the Holy Spirit will be right there to convict, to bring to remembrance. Oh, this this is not the truth. Mm. I like that. So to be able to do these kind of things, you've got to have your PhD in religious theology. Okay? Make sure you... Isn't that what the text says? You have to be super extraordinary in order to do this kind of stuff. Wake your neighbor up because they they may have fallen asleep and just woke up and think that I'm really trying to say the truth. No, it says they saw the courage. Another word for courage is the boldness. They saw the boldness of Peter and John. and, and, And they realized that they were ordinary people. They were just ordinary Joes. They were, they were ordinary. They were not even religiously trained. They were unschooled. They were fishermen. And then they realized they had been with Jesus. When you spend time with Jesus, that is the difference between all of a sudden hearing some kind of biblical message about speaking to an unbeliever out in public where that just gives you, you know, just fear runs up and down your spine and you think, oh, no, I don't want to. This isn't one of those kind of churches, is it? Oh, no, you know, that we got to, let's just have our holy club inside. Let's not really, you know, force our views on anybody. No, it's not forcing your views. It's allowing them to experience his love. And love is what compels us, so we can't hold it in. And as we spend time with Jesus, you get this. And you see, the disciples did it perfect from day one. Not. (laughs) They walked with him for three years, three, three and a half years. They screwed up so many different times. They didn't understand. One time they're in a ministry situation and they're taking authority over a demon, which they had already rejoiced that the demon submitted. And then they come across one that didn't and they didn't know what to do. 
And, and so they came to Jesus. That's what we do. When we find something that's not working for us, and yet in the word it says it's supposed to, who are you going to call? Not Ghostbusters. <laughs> you're going to call the Holy Spirit. Amen. You're going to call Jesus. You're, you're going to you say, let's have a conversation. I really look like a fool at Meyer today. And I really don't like looking like a fool. Oh, you want to talk to me about my pride and my preoccupation with my self-image? Oh, that's why that didn't go down? Oh, see, he loves you so much that sometimes he will, he will not do something so that you'll get to the very heart of what he's after and pursuing in your own life. Yeah. And then other times, in spite of you, he will go ahead and release healing power. Now we're cooking. Uh -huh. Anybody with me today? It's absolutely amazing. Spending time with Jesus is so important. Uh, last Thursday night in school, we, we decided we we're going to spend some time with the Lord in worship. And the heart of the Fergusons was, we're going to come before the Lord not to get something from him. We're going to come before the Lord to give him our love, our worship, our praise. We're, we're not coming, you know, gimme, gimme, gimme. We're coming here, Lord. I offer my love and thanksgiving to you. We did that. She, the, Ashley even had this little symbolic of, of kind of pouring out the perfume upon Jesus's feet, pouring the oil before, and we did that little exercise, so incredible. And it was all to represent the symbolic of spending time with Jesus to be with Jesus. Spending time with God to be with God. Not to use God, not to try to manipulate God into uh, earning some kind of favor with him so he'll do what we want him to do, but just being with him because being with him is the best thing we can do. And as we get to that place to where we're spending time with God and we're being with God for the sake of being with God, things just really are amazing when we're there. It kind of filters through the, the false motivations of, of some of our spirituality that's emotionally unhealthy. And it helps bring a, a maturation. We grow up and we understand how his heart works. And he reveals that to us. Okay, I, I can see your grace limit's just about there. Okay. I, I spoke at the regional vineyard conference down in Florence, Kentucky. I did a workshop on emotional, healthy spirituality. And I spoke for an hour and 45 minutes. That was my time slot. An hour and 45 minutes. And I went an hour and 44 without coming up for a breath. You know, it was just like, and I thought, Rick, you got to realize you're going to be back in church on Sunday. You can't do an hour 45. Okay, that's Holy Spirit giving me a little reminder through your face and your body language. We, we need to find a place to land this plane. Okay, we're, we're not even through the text yet. Oh, Okay. They took note that these men had been with Jesus, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. 
So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows that they have done an outstanding miracle. Say outstanding miracle. Let's see some outstanding miracles. Yes. Yeah. And we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Got to stop it. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But, but... Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. What happens in that time when you are with Jesus is going to be the passion, the fire, the conviction inside you that no amount of peer pressure will ever be able to quench. So find out what your passion is. Find out what is that conviction that the Holy Spirit has put deep inside you that you can't live on this planet without releasing it. You've got to release it uh, for the benefit of yourself, but also all those that you come in contact with, other people. Mm. Well, they get out of there. They don't even get beaten this time. That's coming. They get out. They're threatened. Intimidation is what the enemy always uses. Try to intimidate us into silence. <laughs> so they're released. They go and they gather with the believers. They report. <clears throat> and everybody comes and they, they raise their voices in prayer. You know, that sounds like a good preaching we could use alliteration on the letter R. They were released, they reported, and they raised their voices in prayer. Mm -hmm. Today, I won't do that. <laughs> but that's what they did. And here's what they prayed. In verse 29, toward the end of their prayer, he says, Now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and to perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Mm. Chapter two. Phenomena takes place. The Holy Spirit is expressed. Peter preaches the gospel. 3,000 people come to faith. Chapter 3, a cripple gets healed. They're out proclaiming the gospel. <laughs> Two more thousand are added. Now they're up to 5,000 people. They're starting, like Jesus, to find the opposition that's coming from the religious powers that be. They gather, they pray. God shakes the place. The cry of their heart is that God would enable them 
to speak his word boldly. That's what they want Holy Spirit to do for them. Fill us with the Holy Spirit that we'll be able to speak your word with boldness. And on top of that, as we're speaking your word with boldness, then Lord, stretch forth your hand and do miraculous healings, signs, and wonders. Now, some of you are just about ready to get to the tipping point. You've you've been aware of the kingdom. You've been pondering about the kingdom. You started to get a value for the kingdom. But we haven't prioritized it yet. We love talking about it. We love just the, the, the holy goosebumps that come as we really describe what God can do and wants to do. But we've got to prioritize the kingdom. And the prioritize it means that when you start putting it in your day timer, you start putting it on your iPhone, your smartphone, you start putting it in whatever way that you do, and you start kind of structuring your day with an awareness, today's a great day. I wonder what great things God has planned for me to do today. I wonder how I can cooperate with his heart on earth, bringing heaven here today. And as we start to prioritize that, it won't be long until we start to own it and it becomes ours. Now here's here's one of the things that I want to caution us. Be careful of how the enemy will use us to detour those that are wanting to accelerate into prioritizing and owning this message. Some of us are going to be just fine as long as we talk about it. But when we start doing it, it's going to make us feel awkward. You know, we start finding that so-and-so's doing it and, and look what God did and, and now we feel less. That's what was happening with the religious community. You know, when was the last time a rabbi performed a miracle? It had been a while. It had been a while. So let's not get into being some kind of agent that the enemy uses to put a a wet blanket on the zeal and the desire of some to see the kingdom come here and now. Okay, that's just a word of caution. Be careful because we can do that. We really can do that. We can do that and it's, it's so dangerous. Be careful about that. I want to empower all of us wherever we are, whether we're just becoming aware of the kingdom, whether we're pondering the kingdom, whether we're beginning to value the kingdom, wherever you are in one, two, or three, encourage those who are ready to step out. Let them know that you're praying for them. If you don't have enough courage yet to really actually do anything, pray. That's doing a whole lot. And pray that they don't, they don't lose their zeal, they don't lose their fervor, that they, don't, that they don't have an encounter that causes them to kind of shrink back. Pray that they continue to move. And then for those that are ready to get out there on the front lines and engage, come back in humility. 
pointing that it was the Lord who stretched out his hand. And you just got to be an agent of his love to flow through and to touch someone and come back in humility and realize that the enemy has brought more schism in the church by those who are on the cutting edge of the Holy Spirit and they're knowing the joy and they come back and they make everybody else feel like they're second-class citizens of the kingdom. No, everyone, we've, we've gone after a culture of honor. Let's honor where everyone is and let's encourage. And for those that are on the cutting edge and they're, they're finding some incredible success, when we come back, let's just give an encouraging report and all the glory and praise goes to the Lord and let us be a testimony to help build an anticipatory faith in others that will cause them to have a longing to, to reach out, to step out. Okay? That's all the pastoring I can do today. (laughs) Father, thank you for this wonderful group of people. Wherever we are on the continuum of awareness, pondering, valuing, (laughs) making it a priority and owning it, I pray that we would see heaven come to earth more and more and that we do it in an environment of honor whereby the enemy can't rupture this wineskin because there's new wine in it. Lord, you, you, are, you are our container and you're more than able. And so help us, Lord. Now, if you want a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit today, <clears throat> I just invite you to stand. If there's, if there's a desire, and as, as you heard the gospel, as you heard Acts chapter 4, and as you hear that, if there's, if there's anything of the Holy Spirit saying, you know, I want to bring a fresh filling of my spirit upon you. Stand. still in the context of honor for wherever we are in the continuum. But if you're ready for power, if you're ready for the Holy Spirit to give you boldness and you're speaking the word of the Lord, if if you're asking for God to stretch forth his hand through you, let's receive. We all have the authority because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus and he has commissioned us to go. And so we have the authority. But now, Lord, I pray for a fresh baptism today. Let your Holy Spirit fall in this place in such a way, Lord, that we would be filled with courage. Oh, have mercy. Yeah, I, I see the lion on the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> and not a false courage, Lord. Not I'll fight you with one hand tied behind my back. But Father, a a full courage that comes from realizing how afraid we are and how much we need your boldness. Uh, a, a, A kind of courage, a boldness that would come upon us that comes from heaven to earth to where we would not fear him who can, can do us harm in our temporal 
but Lord, that we look to you as our eternal. And so release, release your Holy Spirit upon us today. Let our voices cry out like the early church. Lord, that you are so good. You're the creator, and this is the time. This is the time for us to stop doubting and to believe. And so fill us with boldness. Fill us with boldness. Mm. And so may we align ourselves with you out of the grace that you've given to us to see the power of your stretched hand manifested in and through our lives, touching earth from heaven. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.